0: Welcome to Culture Court, a podcast about the people and the ideas that drive our culture forward. This is part two of my conversation with Chase Coleman, one of the leaders in the content creation space for working professionals. Here we go.
1: Just a couple days, I had a post go viral and I remember sitting down in my living room. Um, It was like 415 that I had realized that there was like 100,000 views on it. And my roommates were both at a Mariners game. And this was like a big I don't know what was going on in baseball. I don't watch baseball, but like some big game for them. And I'm texting Thomas and I'm like, dude, hundred thousand views. Holy crap. I just like refreshed it. 150,000 views. Holy crap. It's at 200,000 views. What do I do? And he was like, bro, we'll be home in 20 minutes. We're leaving the game now. So they all pop beers. They were all excited as crap. Wanted to celebrate. They get home. I'm sitting on my couch and I'm like, what do I do? How do I respond to all these comments? How do I talk to all these people? What do I keep creating? Like, when do I post? Do I let it breathe? Do I post tomorrow? Do I post another one tonight? What, what's going on? And they were like, bro, bro, relax. Like, first off, like, this is big. This is your first time ever going viral. Like, congratulations. Let's pop a beer open. And I was like, all right, fine, we'll pop a beer open. After that beer, settle down a little bit. And they're like, get back to doing what you were doing, bro. Like, and stop looking at it so much. You know, it's really, really cool. But like, continue to build on that momentum. And I did. And then there's another pivot that happened, right? So at the time I was the millennial way, five, six months after that, I pivoted over and rebranded to the corporate chase, made it more personal to myself. Um, And then when I moved to LA, actually, I met this awesome woman who I'm now dating, been dating for about seven months now. And um, we had a a long conversation and she was like, what is your goal with content? Like, What do you want to do with this? Are you just having fun or do you actually want to turn this into like a career or something? And I started telling her, like, I want to be a host, but I want to be a host for like corporations. I've hosted, you know, Nestle's Sales Summit, had tens of thousands of people there. Um, I enjoy being behind a microphone. I enjoy being in front of people. I enjoy, you know, doing these things. And she was like, well, if someone were to view your content today, like, they don't even really know your voice. Like, how would they know that you wanted to do that? And I was like, well, you're right. You know, and I had all these thoughts in my head about how I wanted to roll out these career development tools and how I wanted to roll out the conference and how I really wanted to help bring young professionals and and amplify them and enhance their lives and their careers. So that conversation wasn't necessarily an easy one for me. Right. It was a very humbling conversation. And um, the next morning, I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, well, what do I do? Right. Like, how do I do this? So then it became the research aspect again. Go back, go look at what other content creators are doing within the career space that are really thriving within the career um, tips and advice aspect of TikTok and Instagram, and um, start creating content. You know, I took a couple of weeks off. Really wanted to ground myself, come to, and um, after doing so, I realized that I can do this type of content. It takes a lot more time and effort because mm-hmm. it's more thoughtful. You know, it's not creating what I like to call like short form video memes, essentially, because that's what. Trending sounds and things like that are, but it took more research for me to do. It took things for me to plan out more. You know, it took for me to want to have to do it. Yep. And it was a journey. The first couple months, seeing low views: a hundred views, a thousand views, five hundred views, no shares, no saves, no favorites, no nothing. And I was like, "Fudge! What am I doing? What am I doing? This sucks." I used to go from, you know, on average ten thousand views to like cutting that to a tenth, but. More conversations with my girlfriend more conversations with my parents more conversations with god and realizing like it doesn't matter what the views are it matters that i'm reaching the right people that i'm helping the right people like what is that end goal right and um i'm proud to say that like one like my following on instagram has grown tremendously because of the corporate content or the corporate and career like advice content but also those people like to see the humor too and um, my Instagram, it's stalled a little bit, but it's, or not my Instagram, my TikTok is stalled a little bit, but that's okay because now I'm reaching the right people. And it's gotten me some great opportunities, you know, to be able to host, to be able to go do keynote speeches. Like I did a keynote at Stetson University, which is my alma mater a couple months ago. And I never would have had that opportunity if I didn't start putting my voice out there and being, taking myself more seriously. Um, so I would say it was like a, a journey of what I wanted to do first and foremost of like helping others, right? That's what I've kind of the key theme today. But the other aspect of it too was like, you know, like I said earlier, it takes a village, like having that real honest conversation with others to figure out, yeah, Chase, this corporate humor stuff is working. It's helping you grow. But like, is it really, truly have an end game to it? And um, really, really realizing that like I I wasn't on that path, you know, I learned how to grow an audience. I learned how to talk to people. I learned how to engage with people. But the biggest thing truly was, what do you want to accomplish? Yeah. If, right. if it's be, being a keynote speaker and hosting and potentially having a TEDx one day or a TED talk, you have to make a pivot. And it's it's been a mental journey, right? Always is, always will be. But um, I love it. And I'm very proud of where I'm able to, to come to. But I still mix in the corporate humor because, frankly, we all need to laugh every once in a while.
0: That's right. That's right. I mean, I, that whole journey you just described, I'm with you 100% on that. The first time... I had something hit a million views it felt so big like in my life personally but nothing else changed you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i gained you know a lot of followers from that one video but it wasn't like i didn't quit my job i didn't get me money from it <laughs> you know what i mean like pe- people that don't know about tiktok tiktok requires you to have gone viral a few times before you can even apply to get any of the creator funds that they set aside yeah and i just I and mean, the funds are my, small too and the funds are like $2, you know. You get 40 the, bucks every
1: million views. It's like, next for yeah, lunch, you know?
0: That's exactly right. So um, I, I track with that the entire way. So you mentioned helping others being the central focus and kind of you know, doing the slow growth mode with your career um, in real life, but also on the internet life. Mm-hmm. How did you have this idea for the Young Professionals Conference?
1: This has always been my dream, frankly. It's always been my dream. When I started the Millennial Way podcast, the goal was to talk to other young professionals to help students, even other young professionals, understand how to break into a company like a Starbucks, how to break into a company like an Amazon. How to? What jobs are there at Amazon, right? Or within tech? I, I remember um, one of the speakers at the conference, Melanie Stewart, good friend of mine from college. We she played lacrosse, I played football. We were always right next to each other. Um, she worked at Google and then went from Google to Amazon, and we're colleagues now. But I would interview her and talk about like, you work in sales at Google. Like, I didn't even know that sales was a thing at Google. Like, what do you mean? Tell me more. How did you understand that this was a job there? How did you get recruited there? How did you get there? Right. And when I was kind of closing off the podcast and I would say like, it's not really closed right now. Like I could still get up and record an an interview tomorrow and post it. But I started doing roundtables with people. And this is when we were talking about George Floyd, um, helping amplify like black voices and also providing solutions to corporations and leaders and young professionals to help them understand, like, what would me, a black man within corporate America, want from my, from my company, right? Now, I can only speak for myself and those who I had on the roundtable, but we had great conversations. I always thought that, like, a bigger event would have been better than just a podcast, but I didn't know how to make it, how to go about it. You know, like what was I going to do? And frankly, this came up last December. My dad and I were talking, we were on, my dad coaches uh, division three basketball on the side. That's like his little side hustle. And, um, I was like, man, like I've, I, I've grown a following now. Like I've, you know, done the millennial way podcast. Like I've always wanted to highlight how young, how students and young professionals can get these jobs and create almost like a hack because the way I got my job was networking. Like if I didn't have a network, like then I never would have been able to get into this position. And he was like, well, why don't we do a conference? And I was like, well, I want to do a conference. That's what I want to do. And he was like, well, then why aren't we doing it now? And I was like, well, that's right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. And he was like, Mm -hmm. well, you're either going to do this with me or I'm going to do it. And I'm it's, that's going to be that. So it's either going to be your idea or it's going to be your event. And mm. that applied pressure to me, pressure that I didn't know I needed. If my dad never would have told me that, I still wouldn't be running this conference. It'd still just be an idea that sits in the back of my head. And then I'd see somebody else go do it and I'd be pissed. You know, damn, that was my idea. Damn, damn. I could have been doing this. Damn, damn, I should be hosting that. Right. Instead, I made myself the host. I tapped into my network of friends and people who I've been able to meet all under the age of 35, like, CJ, you're going to be a guest at our next one. We, It was a dream that I always had, but I never knew how to make that dream a reality. And even if I only get 15 people to come to this first conference, it's still helping 15 people that I wasn't able to to help initially, right? So it was always a dream. It was always something that I wanted to do, but it took for my father to turn that dream into a reality and to put some pressure on me behind it to make me realize let's run with this shit. And now that's what we're doing.
0: I'm glad he did that, man. People need this kinds of stuff. And I think about this all the time. Like I didn't even know I'm a lawyer. I didn't even know what lawyers really did. Right. Mm -hmm. People on TV that were lawyers, I had no idea in real life what they did. Um, And so this kind of stuff that you're doing is really needed for everybody. I got, I got to ask, where do you think the common career advice falls short? Or do you think there just isn't enough of it generally? I think at the end of the, the, end of the day,
1: it really comes with like, what do you want to do as a professional, as a student, right? <clears throat> when I was graduating college, I knew I wanted to work in marketing because I got my degree in marketing. It was the only mm-hmm. thing I was good at in business classes. I tried, CJ, I changed my major seven times. Seven times. I started out as a pre-med student. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I tried five different disciplines in the business school, finally landed on marketing, finally knew that it was what I wanted to do. However, when I got to Starbucks, I didn't know that there was 19 different divisions in marketing right now. I I don't know if there's actually 19, but there was a lot going on. You had integrated marketing, you had email marketing, you have social media marketing, you have promotional marketing, you have in-store marketing, you have, it goes down the list. And I was like, damn. I was like, I'm just doing one part of marketing, but there's so many different aspects to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I mean I actually know that colleges don't do a good job of helping you understand that there's so many different aspects to it but what I think falls short uh within like just like the content aspect of it is like what different jobs are there within marketing what mm-hmm. different jobs are there within finance right you could be working directly for the CFO or you could be working for like brand finance or sales finance like there's so many different aspects to it and what I would like to kind of bring to the forefront is the fact that like there's so many different Aspects of it that you might only like one aspect, right? I have friends in finance who've done uh, you know, corporate FPA, which essentially is working on like high-level metrics for their CFO, and they hated it. But they worked in like product finance where they're helping figure out like the profit and loss statement, the PL for a specific product or brand, and they love it because they get to feel like they're a part of the product, right? Some mm-hmm. people might like that corporate FP&A position more because they feel more, I don't know, I- I'm gonna make it up. Excited because they're like, I'm working directly with the CFO. This is great visibility for me, X, Y, and Z. So what I'd like to do is bring to the forefront one, like these are, there's very general things about resumes and building a LinkedIn and, you know, uh, cover letters and things like that, that we could all use help on maybe using chat GPT to help upgrade our resume. Awesome. The things that really go viral within that space on TikTok and Instagram. But what I want to do is really help push forward the, the narrative that there's a lot of different aspects of marketing. There's a lot of different aspects of, you know, sales. There's a lot of different aspects of everything. And you may not think that you're a salesperson. I did not ever want to work in sales, but you know what I love? Sales support. I love being an mm. account manager. I love being a consult, an internal consultant for my sales teams. I loved helping figure out their strategy and how they were going to sell it. Going to mm. different, um, you know, meetings where they're meeting directly with the person who's going to be buying it and realizing, I can be that additional support that they bring in and I can be that one subject matter expert come in, boom, mic drop, leave, and then they find out that they made the sale. Right. So I really think that it falls short in the fact in the aspect of like helping students find jobs that like they're going to enjoy. Um, and I'd say the last thing is just transparency, Um I think that's something we see that's lacking in all of corporate America. You know, like I think leaders are not transparent with their employees, rightfully so sometimes, especially in in publicly traded companies. But from my perspective, I really think it comes down to like, what's the truth behind corporate America? You're going to be anxious. You're going to cry. Like I never saw myself crying as a as a former football player, but I've cried because of what people have said to me. You know, I was always like, you're never going to hurt my feelings. My coaches used to yell at me at 5 a.m. They used to hit me on on the the front of my helmet in my face mask and tell me I was stupid. Tell me I was unathletic. Tell me I wasn't fast enough. Tell me I wasn't big enough, wasn't strong enough, but I still was able to push through. It's a different exercise when you're going through and someone's critiquing you mentally rather than physically. And um, I just want to help others understand, like, it's not all roses and dandelions over on this side, but you could find joy in it you know, and you can still work on things outside of your nine to five that are going to help build skills and help you become that that person you want to be in the future. And um, I think a lot of us think about like, and we were talking about this before, a specific mm-hmm. job or a specific role being that like pinnacle of where I wanted to reach. Um, but instead of that thinking, it's now more, who do I want to be when I'm Twenty or twenty? Who do I want to be twenty years from now? You know, who do I want my kids to look at me as? Um, who do I want the guys and girls that I mentor to look at me as? And where do I want to be? Do I know if that's going to be like a corporate CEO or something like that? I don't know, but I know that it's a people manager that has a team that loves him. I would be excited to work for myself if I were on my team. Like you know, forward thinking. Um, ideal, ideally, I would say um and then the last thing is just like the fact that like <clears throat> i just i just that's just who i want to be as a person and i had to stop thinking about like my career and reaching a certain goal is like that pinnacle cuz what happens if i become a fortune 500 ceo then i just sit and rest on my laurels and go cool i made it i'm done like that's not the end game so i think a lot of us think of just like a specific place or role to be that milestone and be like, Oh, I've reached success. People think Mm -hmm. I've reached success already. I don't think I'll ever reach success, but I'll always be chasing it. And, um, I just, I just don't want to be that person that like reaches one goal and then goes, okay, cool. I'm done. You know,
0: that's great. That's great. One of the big things in this conference is that you're going to expose young students, young professionals to other, you know, high functioning young professionals. Why is networking in conferences like this? Why are they important? Your network is your net worth. And you know we could throw out
1: stupid sayings all day. Um, That mean a lot to you and I, but it's not going to mean anything to a 20-year-old. Networking is legitimately how I got my first job. Um, I was at my buddy's wedding last weekend. um, Guys that I played football with in college, and I told one of my friends, there's a a moment that stuck out in my head and it still sticks with me to this day 10 years later. Um, Actually, yeah, it was 10 years later. He told me that I was going to be a, corpor- uh, a business professional that a lot of people were going to look up to based off of one conversation he heard me have with a recruiter from L'Oreal and they were flying me out to New York. And that gave me the confidence to say, like, I can do this, right? But what he hadn't seen was all the conversations I had in my room with my friends, dads, my uncles, my parents, my, f- my close friends from back home saying how do I get a job in these companies, man? Like I'm applying, they're turning me down. I have a 2.7 GPA. It is not anything that's like worthwhile, right? Like I've done a lot of things on campus. I was a division one athlete. I think I deserve to be there. How do I do this? And every single one of them was like, you need to find somebody within that company that's going to help bring you in there. They're going to have to pull Mm -hmm. you in because entry-level positions, it's not about what you've accomplished. It's not about how skillful you are. You don't have any real skills in corporate America. We're going to teach you everything that you need to learn, but you need to find someone who's going to believe in you. So I spent hours and hours and hours on LinkedIn, sending a lot of cold messages to people, finding people Mm -hmm. within, I wanted to work at Starbucks. I was a barista. I knew I wanted to work in a corporate office. I had told everybody that had came through Starbucks, at the Starbucks that I worked at and everyone that I worked with that it was going to be something that I did. I had no choice but to get a job at Starbucks because I had already put it out into the universe that it was gonna happen. Message, 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 message. No response, no response, no response. Hey, Chase. It's great to see you, great to meet you, but like, I can't help you get a job here. Or, Mm. you know, I had to re re figure out my approach. And what I realized is that I just need to reach out from a more personal perspective. Hey, my name is Chase Coleman. I'm a senior at Stetson University. I would love to have a conversation with you just to understand what it's like to work at Starbucks. What do you do? I frankly am, am very green in terms of like corporate roles. Can you help me understand a little bit more? Do you have 15 minutes to have a coffee chat with me? And I would just love to pick your brain a little bit. Those 15-minute conversations turned into 30 minutes, and then those 30 minutes turned into an hour sometimes, and then it turned into a relationship that I had with somebody internally. I ended up meeting Bernardo Coca, who was the president of Tivana um, within Starbucks, and now he's the CEO of El Pollo Loco. And I was just shooting everybody and anybody a message. Like I didn't care if you were an SVP. I didn't care if you were a manager. I didn't care if you were an analyst. I didn't care if you were a barista at that point. I was just trying to meet other people. And... He literally was the reason that I got my job. So quick story for you. I know I've I've told a lot of stories here, but I went in, um, he referred me for a position on the Starbucks uh, marketing team uh, on their holiday team. Mm. I moved through the first round of interviews, ended up getting invited to the final interviews in Seattle. I went out to Seattle, eight hours of interviews, eight different people, all different aspects of the business. And um, at this point, I'm like, I'm killing it. I'm killing Mm. it. Second to last interview, Bernard comes into the interview room and says, "I'm going to steal you. These interviews are done. You're coming with me." And I was like During
0: the interview he says this.
1: During the interview, right, with a director level, with a director level person, the hiring manager of this of this position. And I'm like, "Shit, Nancy, I got to go." Like and she was like, "Yeah, you got to go." Like he's caught, like great job. It was great meeting you. Gives me a hug bye. I go into Bernard's office and he goes, "I'm just letting you know this now that you went through the formal interview loop, and I'm going to be hiring you. Um, you should have an offer by the end of next week. Negotiate the salary if you want, but I'm excited that you're going to be working for me. And I was like, "I'm going to be working for who?" He was like, "Me." He's like, "You won't be reporting directly to me, but I'm—I have a place on my team. I opened up a new role just for you. You probably would have got that position, but I want you on my team." I was like, bet, wow, bet. We ended up spending an hour talking. I was very late to the airport, almost missed my flight. Did not care at the time. Um, and then, you know, in February of 2016, f- three months before I graduated, February, March, April, May, four months before I graduated, um, I had a job offer in hand from Starbucks, signed, sealed, and delivered to go work in the corporate office with a relocation package, moving me out to Seattle, which made me realize. It's all about networking, and that's how I've gotten every other position. You know, whether it's cold messages on LinkedIn, whether it's talking to people at Starbucks at the time and saying, "Wow." When I would just network with people, like I would even ask them, like, "Is there somebody else that you think I should talk to that like might be Mm -hmm. able to help me, or that you think we would just be a good connection?" And they would refer me to people internally, people externally, and um, I got to know people at Amazon, got to know people at Nestle, got to know people at Nordstrom, and um, you know, I'm going to say this in the most humble way that I possibly can, but. I a, a, a regular application process and interview loop, I haven't gone through in a while outside of Amazon. Amazon's just sticklers for that. But um, I was super prepared because I knew people internally and they were helping me figure out what's your story? How are you going to talk to you know, X, Y, and Z experience? Like At Amazon, we use the STAR method, the situation, task, action, results, like Practice that chase practice that. Right. So they gave me key things to help me stand out above the rest uh, of the rest of the interview pool. And, um, I mean, I wouldn't
0: be where I'm at if it wasn't for my network. Wow. I that's powerful. That's powerful. Okay. One last question for you and I'll let you Let's go. Do it. What's one rule or law that you live by?
1: The sun will set and the sun will rise. Um, and I say that meaning that no matter what situation I go through, no matter what experience I go through, right, whether it's the potential of losing my job, whether it's hearing that Amazon is laying off 15 10,000 more workers and that my, my direct business unit is going to be affected, um, a fight with my parents, a fight with my brother and sister, a fight with my girlfriend, um, things will always rectify themselves. And I mean that in a way where it's like, I obviously have to put in time and effort to rectify that. But just because i'm feeling down on myself or just because i'm feeling happy in the current moment doesn't mean that's how i'm going to feel tomorrow right tomorrow's a brand new day there's always going to be situations that are going to fluster you stress you out excite you make you feel optimistic um make you go through a a roller coaster of emotions but at the end of the day i'm always going to go to bed at night i'm going to say my prayer and i'm going to wake up the next morning and it's going to be a brand new day and i get to attack it the way that i want to attack it um and that's really the the law that I like to live by. And the thing that I always tell myself is because, you know, as a, as a, a generally anxious person, and I say generally, I mean, every day I'm always overthinking and I'm always very anxious. <laughs> um, it's, it's easy to get stuck in the rut of this sucks. Tomorrow's going to suck. This week sucks. Everything about this sucks. Right. But if I control what I can control and let the rest fall where it may. I tell every recruiter this. I'm like, I put my all in for those interviews and let the chips fall where they may. Well how are you feeling about it? I feel great, but that doesn't matter. You guys are ultimately going to make the decision. And I'm mm-hmm. going to be the one who's receiving that decision, right? I get to control how I react to it. I don't get to control the the output or what you guys decide on. But I can either take it as, okay, I got this position. Awesome. Now I get to think about do I want the position really or not? Do I go back and negotiate or not? Or you guys made that decision easy for me and told me that I didn't get it. Now I don't even have to think about it. Now I just have to move on from it. Um, my basketball coach in high school—I was our—I our, mentioned high school basketball. We were the number three-rated team in the country for a long time. We were number one at one point, and we won a lot of games, a whole lot of games. But my coach always said, "You get." My coach and my father always said, "You get 24 hours to celebrate, and then you are done. You are done." But that also means when you lose you get 24 hours to sulk and then you're done. Because it's not about the the result. It's not about the output. It's what are you going to do about the output, right? I was just featured in Business Insider. Awesome. That all came off of a LinkedIn post that I made that got 23 likes. The lowest amount of likes I've ever gotten on a LinkedIn post is the reason that I was featured in freaking Business Insider. But it's awesome. I took that 24 hours to celebrate. I was excited. I was super pumped about it. But now what am I doing about it? Well, now I'm going to start a newsletter. Now I'm going to engage my audience in a different way. I just put out a poll asking uh, people on LinkedIn, what what do you want to see from me? Is it content creation? Is it side hustles and working a nine to five? Is it life of a content creator? What is it? What do you want to see? Now I get to build upon that. And I'm really excited to because there were times in my life where I've allowed the celebration to go on too long, where I've allowed the sulking to go on too long. And then all of a sudden things become irrelevant. That Business Insider post was great a week ago if I didn't build on that immediately, nobody is going to go back and look at that. Nobody is going to go back and care about it because that is old news chase up. Oh, cool. You did it old news, old news. I had to build on it in real time. And I've, I've taken that I'm building on it. I could get five people to subscribe to my newsletter, but that's five more people than I would have had before the article. So sunrises, sunsets every day, The next day is always a new day and it's really based on how i react to things it's not based on how how much i can control so that's the one or seven things (laughs) that i constantly (laughs) live um live my life by because at the end of the day i want to die happy and that doesn't mean i'm going to be a wealthy man that doesn't mean i'm going to be the best person on earth but i want to always like stay true to myself and part of that is is recognizing and realizing that by the only way i could be my best self is by understanding and realizing Every new situation, every new experience is an opportunity to build and grow, but I don't have to get way too... The highs are never too high and the lows are never too low because you always know that there's something else that's
0: coming up. Chase, my man, thank you so much. <laughs> this was fun, this man. This was great.
1: This was so much fun. I really appreciate you for bringing me on. For everybody listening, thank you so much for hearing me and my crazy-ass stories. I've lived a wild life, but you know it's all, it's all a journey. And um, at the end of the day, the last thing I'll say, CJ, is like, Life is a marathon; it's not a sprint. We all start at different places. Um, some people start ten steps ahead of you. Some people start ten steps behind you. And some people fall a couple steps in front. Some people fall a couple steps ahead, behind. Some people start at the same exact place. Do not compare yourselves to others. Um, you know, I could compare myself to other corporate content creators and realize, like, oh, I only have you know ninety thousand followers across both platforms. They have that, you know on on one platform that's half of their following or whatever it may be and it could stop me from co- from creating content it's not about that it's about your own life your own journey how you take everything into a, into account and how you really truly build upon it and i just want others to know that like at the end of the day like they'll always have a supporter in me as long as they're a nice person if you come into my comments talking shit i'm not going to support you um but run your own race run your own race it'll help you mentally too
0: That's awesome. You can find Chase everywhere. I'll put it in the show notes where people can find you and and find links to the conference as well.
1: I appreciate you so much.
0: Thank you so much. And that's a wrap on this episode of Culture Court. Thank you for listening. Share this with a friend and connect with me on social media. I'd love to hear what you thought about the episode. And if you have ideas for future shows, you can also leave me a voicemail at culturecourtpodcast.com. We might even play your voicemail on the show. Thanks again. I'll see you next time.